So glad, so glad to be here today. Uh, just flew in last night and um, I'm excited to be a part of something that God has supernaturally sustained for 30 years. I mean, if you think about that for a minute, uh, during the pandemic, um, in the 18 month period, I think 32,000 churches closed. Which, uh, you know, how many of you know that every once in a while, God, without your permission, it will shrink your circle. You just focal just stop, just start dropping off. Uh, and you thought you thought you were in love with Mr. Right. And he just you just found out he was Mr. Right now. Right. And and people that you thought were your friends, as soon as you start going through something, they're they're gone. Uh, and every once in a while, God will, without, you, without our permission, shrink our circle because not everybody that's part of your history is part of your destiny. And uh, I ain't mad at nobody, uh, but sometimes we give people God's place in our life and we give God people's place in our life. So we were never called to trust people. We were called to love people. And we were called to trust God and then love him because he first loved us. Loving him, the Bible says, in this is love. In this is love, not that you love him. So we make our life about loving God. No, we make our life about trusting God. And um, how many of you know it's harder to trust than love? I can't get no help from nobody. It is harder to trust than to love. Have you ever been betrayed by somebody that you loved? <laughs> it wouldn't be betrayal if you didn't love them first. And uh, clinical psychologists say that betrayal is the number one most difficult human emotion to overcome. And so this is why the Lord told us to love people and trust him. Because if you trust him, then you never experience the sting of betrayal because you already knew that it was factored into the human condition. Look at you. Like you just already know human beings are going to act like human beings. But God is going to act like God. So why are we shocked and surprised? You know, you know what hurts so much is when a, a, a woman says to a man, and I trusted you. First mistake. <laughs> Amen. Or when a man, the Bible doesn't say, husbands, trust your wives as Christ trusts the church. He said, husbands, love your wives. Y'all need to go to that marriage class so you can figure it all out. Like, like. Andrew, Andrew stands up and says, uh, how many of you all got want to get married? I almost stood up and said, don't do it. <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. But anyway, let's uh, <laughs> let's turn in our Bibles, if we don't, if you don't mind, uh, to the gospel according to Mark. And I'm going to continue uh, unpacking this thing called double mindedness. And uh, Pastor Dickow asked me to give you his warmest greeting this morning. Uh, he said, tell the people that if you're there, it's like me being there. I said, okay, uh, that means I'll try to be like you, which I don't know how that's going to happen. 
I'm a Los Angeles ghetto kid. And, uh, and our pastor was uh, raised in Detroit. So I guess it's similar. <laughs> we're, both, we're both trophies of grace, if you can. Uh, amen. Like, if you surveyed the landscape of America, you would have never come up with Gregory Michael Dickow or Steve Hage or put us together to give the devil a nervous breakdown. Come on, somebody. It just. But but here we are. And uh, so it is our privilege and my privilege to uh, bring the word to you today. So Mark eleven twenty four. it's the words of Jesus. And I think this is where we uh, this is by way of review. But I think this is where we get into trouble sometimes because Jesus said whatsoever things you desire. Everybody say desire. So whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, then you shall have them. So never is it the issue of locating a desire. In fact, this room represents all kinds of desires. If you're breathing air, you want something that is uh, currently missing from your life. There isn't anybody in here that doesn't have something that they're expecting or asking God for. That's what prayer is all about. God, I'm going to ask you for something that is yet to materialize in my proximity. That, that's where desire is. Desire is what I'm excited about. Everybody here wants something more. Everybody here wants something else. Amen. So so desire is not a sin. It's not a miss. It's not something that God doesn't make room for. Jesus, he, Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Well, why do you pray? You pray because you are trusting that God has the capacity and the ability and the faculties to provide you what you're desiring. That's why you're praying. Why would you go to God? The Bible says if you go to God, you first must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What's the reward of you seeking him? That, he, that you get what you're asking for. That's the reward. My reward's different than your reward, but the Lord is the Lord of the reward. You, you following me? So we don't go to a God that we don't believe can give us our desire. Doesn't the, is it the 37th Psalm that says God will give you the desires of your heart? And, and what God generally does is he'll plant a desire in your heart to give you a prophetic picture of what he's got planned for you in your future. He'll deposit something, then it'll stir in you. You'll take what God has put in you and pray that, and then God will give you what he put in you. God doesn't give you desires to frustrate you. He gives you desires to show you what your future's gonna look like. Religion vandalizes the freedom that we have in Jesus because we like, oh, I could never ask God for something. Look, you better ask God for something, otherwise you're gonna try to get that something by yourself. Amen? I mean, there's a big difference between the husband God gave you and the husband you went and got yourself. Come on, somebody. You can't go find the God man at the club. At two o'clock in the morning when you were about three martinis in. You laughing because you're like, black people don't drink martinis, fool. 
What do you guys drink? Something with an umbrella in it probably, huh? With a pineapple or uh, uh, something anyway, anyway. So whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe. We don't have no problem believing. Why would you pray if you didn't believe? So you don't have a problem desiring. You don't have a problem praying. You don't have a problem believing. Otherwise, why would you pray if you didn't believe that God could do what you're asking him to do? Why would you go to somebody who can't do for you what you're asking him to do? So you believe that God is able. You need healing. You believe God's a healer. The problem comes in between believe and receive. Jesus said you got to believe not that he can do it, but that he's already done it. Uh-oh, uh-oh. So you got to believe that you receive. Then Jesus says, then it materializes in your life. Then you have it. In between believe and receive is this thing called double-mindedness. Double-mindedness is you have a fragmented focus which creates a diminished impetus. Because clarity precedes empowerment. So you're not going to experience the power to possess the promise if you have your uh, vision um, fragmented. Like I can't punch nobody with my finger. Like I can poke Paul to death. Be like, you're going down, clown. You're going down. He'd be like, what, what are you talking about? But if I bring it together, hit homeboy on the button, I'm going to hurt my hand, probably. But anyway, but, but like when we come together, when, when we take all of that fragmented focus and going everywhere and you bring that bad boy together and then you can punch your way into your destiny. So, so in life, so often we have the opportunity right in between when we're believing God and we're receiving what God wants to give us. It's not enough to believe. You have to receive when you receive it, when you pray, not when you get it. The problem is we waiting to get it to receive it. Jesus said, receive it before you get it, then you'll get it. That's why it's faith. Now, that's where we start going. Well, can God do it? Is he going to do it? I know he can. Does he want to? And this is where the double mindedness happens. This is where we vacillate, fluctuate. Invent alibis. Come on, man. It's where our excuses are bigger than our dreams. This is where our, our self-esteem starts uh, diminishing our faith. How could God do that for me? I'm toe up from the flow up. I need a check up from the neck up. I was raised wrong. Listen, haven't you figured out by now that God never, <laughs> God very rarely ever picks people who were raised right. And it's being evidenced right now by the man who got the microphone. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the Lord very rarely ever says, I'm going to find someone who was raised perfectly so that he can be an example. No, God's about trophies of grace, not trophies of self-do-it-yourself righteousness. Amen. The more messed up you are, the more God-dependent you become. Amen. Right, Abe? I mean, you just kind of take a look in the mirror and you're like, how did God survey the landscape of the planet and come up with me? But he did. 
and Father knows best. I tell my church all the time, God loves me. I don't know what your problem is. God's smarter than you and he loves me. What's wrong with you? I'm not going to align myself up with what people think. I'm going to align myself up with God thinks. And then I can move into receiving what I'm believing for. Right? Not because you deserve it, but because Jesus positions you to deserve it. Mm-mm-mm. So let's talk a little bit more about this. Um, now, remember, it's the in-between time between believing and receiving. Now, let me say this about that. We, we usually get funky with the timing. It's like, God, you got to hurry up. Lord, you always take too long. Lord, you don't never do it fast enough. I had a man of God tell me one time, he said, God goes really slow so he can keep up with you. Right? Now, let me say this. The longer you wait, hear me. The longer you wait, my pants keep falling down. I got to eat a blueberry muffin or something because I just, I'm trying to upgrade my sexy. It ain't working. I got spanks on underneath this outfit. Come on, somebody. It's holding everything in my pants are dropping. Just kidding. Okay. You're laughing. I'm up here telling the truth. Okay. So, but here, here it is. Here it is. The longer you wait, the stronger your faith becomes. We think the longer we wait, the weaker our faith becomes. Lord, if you don't do it, if you don't do it, I'm losing faith. I'm losing. I, I, I can't. No, no. The more you visit the gym, the stronger you get. The more resistance you encounter, the bigger your muscles become. So the more sometimes God will allow elongate, he'll elongate seasons of resistance because you're not currently strong enough to carry the blessing when it comes. So, I mean, you, many of us have seen people whose character didn't match their gifting. And so their gifting, their success becomes the main reason for their failure. Y'all all right. You better shout a brother down and fly here from California. Have you look at me. Like somebody take a hanky out and say, help him, Lord, or something. Give a brother some help. Feel like I'm talking to my church. All these white people looking at me. Okay, come on. Help me. Help me. You don't have to say nothing. You Greek guy. But this dude, you come on, you're my flavor saver. Do something. Help me out. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I warned you about myself. Okay, so. So the more resistance you experience, the stronger you're going to get. Stop losing your mind when it looks like God's late. He's never late. And may I add, he's never early either. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more uh, by way of review. And then I'm going to start breaking down, Paul, uh, some of the contributing factors for double-mindedness. Watch this, and then we'll jump into it. So if we look at uh, the book of James, chapter 1. Now, James was the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. And uh, he was Joseph and Mary's son. Jesus was the Holy Ghost and Mary's son. 
So this James was raised in the home with Jesus. And, G and James, check this man, James got converted later. Can you imagine being raised with Jesus and not accepting Jesus and he in your own house? Can you imagine? Sibling rivalry. James got, James got devoted to Jesus, I think after Jesus was crucified. I'm not exactly sure, but I think James came to Christ after Christ went to heaven. And this is the brother of Jesus. Don't you give up on your family members. Don't you give up on that crazy kid that you're raising up in your house. And I'm worried about my son. He's a product. Look, look, look. He'll come around. Even Jesus's brother had to come around. And now he's writing some really strong stuff. He's, and, 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 and he says this. He says now, now, verse six, he says, but when you ask, you have to ask in faith without doubting. Everybody say without doubting. So he says, without doubting, for the one who doubts is tossed by the surf, like the surf of the sea, tossed by the wind. You're agitated by life. That man ought not to expect. Everybody say expect. So he says, that man not ought to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord. Now, this is after the cross. This is after the death. This is after the burial. This is after the resurrection. This is after the ascension. So Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father. James is writing this to us and he's saying, listen, this is a New Testament principle. If you ask and doubt, let me set your expectation. Nothing. Let that person who asks and doubts, who believes but doesn't receive, Expect that they'll receive, receive nothing from the Lord. So James is saying, listen, you're double minded. When you ask and don't believe, ask and don't receive, you're not going to get what you're asking for because you're double minded. And the Bible says, James goes on to say that a double minded person has instability, which produces inability in everything that they do. He's unstable in all of his ways. A better, another way, not a better way, but another way of saying is he's unable in all of his ways. Why can't I prosper financially? Unstable. Why can't I get better in my marriage? Uh, unstable. Why am I scared all the time? Unstable. Why am I trying to lose the same five pounds for 10 years? Unstable. Come on, somebody. Just because the light is on at Krispy Kreme doesn't mean you need to get in line. I can't get no help from that side at all. Just because Michael Jordan eats Big Macs don't mean you get to. Come on. <laughs> so it's important that you understand that there are contributors to double-mindedness. So let's talk about that. You ready? I'm going to preach my message now. I don't know what I've been up here doing, but I'm getting ready to talk to you. Let me say this before I say that. There's something on the inside of you, Paul. I know I'm picking on you today because I love you. There's something on the inside of you that God put there 
that if you go God's way, it has a reward attached to it. In this room, every single person has something on the inside of them that if you go God's way, you have a God reward attached to what's already on, on the inside of you. We're not waiting for God to do something. He's waiting for us. He, uh, God, you got to do something. No, he already did something. It's called the cross. So there's something on the inside of all of us that if we go God's way, will produce a reward in our life. It's up to us. Let's stop hating what God's loving. Mm -mm -mm. All right, you ready? So, the first thing that creates double-mindedness, I already talked to you about this, you're going to have to get, go back and get the tape, but it's unfulfilled prayers, dreams, and us being offended. If you're offended, you're never going to get focused, okay? I don't have time to get all up into that. The second thing, and I talked to you about this a couple weeks ago, is iniquities. Iniquities are proclivities toward negativity and weakness. And I did a whole thing on iniquity last time I was here. And you are not bound by iniquity. You are bound by blessing. Exodus chapter 20 verses 5 and 6 says that the iniquities of the fathers will visit the third and fourth generation. But verse 6 says, but... And how many of you know when there's a but, that means this trumps everything that was said. And let's calibrate to what is being said. He said the loving kindness, the goodness, the blessing, the favor of God will not only go three and four generations. It'll go a thousand generations. So let me tell you what you're carrying. You're carrying a thousand generation blessing. And, and, the, and the third and fourth generation of the iniquities, the Bible says in verse 5, is to those who hate God. Well, we used to hate God, but now we love God because he loved us. And so now we're, at, we're in, in alignment with a generational blessing, not a generational curse. Okay? And, and if you get your eyes on your generational curse, then you'll be double-minded when it comes time to get your blessing. And so expect that you'll receive nothing. Now, let me jump into number three. Brand new information. The third contributor to double-mindedness is being around negative people. Now, I'm, I'm sorry there are people that are negative. But let's just not be those people. I cannot stand negativity. I'm not going to hope because I'll get disappointed if I hope. What kind of Kool-Aid you been drinking, man? What kind of gummy you been eating? You know, what you've been smoking when you, when you don't give yourself permission to hope because you might get disappointed. You've just unwound what hope is. Hope is that I'm expecting God's favor in my future. So I'm not going to expect God's favor in my future and then be afraid that he's not going to give me favor in my future. What are you talking about? So being around negative people. Uh, the first psalm says, how blessed is the man who doesn't do three things. How blessed is the man who does not uh, walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now let's talk about wickedness. 
Wickedness comes from an idea of like a wick and a candle. Wickedness is two strands of truth and one lie twisted. So wickedness is like a wick that you light to illuminate your path that involves and it has incorporated a lie into it. Have you ever heard people that they're telling you something and it sounds good, but it's just not all good? You can kind of feel what they're saying, but there's something about what they're saying that has a dimension that is inaccurate. And if you align yourself with a wick, they're not just going to come straight out and say it. They're going to portray it like it's God, but there's a dishonoring of Jesus in there somehow. There's a vandalizing of grace in there. There's a, a, a devaluing of the blood of Jesus in there. There's, there's something to this thing that, that where you got to do this in order to be righteous instead of you just have to believe this, not behave this. See, if you walk in the counsel of the wicked, the Bible says you're not going to be blessed. How blessed is the man who doesn't? nor stand in the path of sinners. Notice that homeboy was walking, now he's standing. There's no more movement in it. There's no more forward progression. He was walking, then he got religious conversations and he stopped. And now he's standing in the path of people who are missing the mark. Sinners. Everybody say, every time I miss, I get a mess. So the mess started with a miss. Nobody just makes messes. They create misses. And when they aim at something and hit something else, it's a miss, and then that miss causes a mess. The word sin is you miss the mark. And so now you're standing in a place where you're aligned with something that's not real or true. And you want blessing results, but you're not going to get them because now you're standing in the mess that the mist created. And how many of us are standing in the way we were raised? Come on, man. We standing in what they did to us or what we did to ourselves. When we can elevate out of it. And then the last thing says, then, then that we sit. So we're walking, standing, then we sit in the seat of the scornful, which means that you do not think that there's consequences for actions. Bad company. Wrong people. Look, he's talking about wicked, sinner, scoffer. These are people. That you sit and getting input from that basically are telling you do whatever you want because there's no consequences. Act however you want to act. There's no consequences. Let me just say this. You can choose your choices, but you can't choose your consequences. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. I grew up with an angry father. How many of you know that there's nothing good that comes on the other side of an outburst? 
And anger, really, in my experience, is injected into an atmosphere so that you can distract people off of what God's putting his finger on onto what you're putting your finger on. That's why people get mad, because the truth is just getting too close. So you got to blow your lid so that we don't have to talk about what's going on anymore. we got to talk about how to manage your outburst. And then by the time you calm the heck down... We forgot about what you were messing around with. Come on, somebody. Or you're scared to bring it up because boom, shakalaka. I'm only going to boom. That was my dad. My dad, every time my mom started moving in on homeboy, he would like lose his mind, throw something, yell something, beat something, kick something. The whole family gets arrested. We got to calm him down. And then we never got to it. consequences therefore the love starts breaking down the anger of people does not accomplish the righteousness of God okay first Corinthians 15 don't be deceived bad company will mess with your moral compass bad company well I'm just go hang out with Andre for a minute no Andre's a fool You just sit there because being with nobody is better than being with that knucklehead. I was just driving the car to the 7-Eleven, the Circle K. I didn't know they was going to go in there and rob it. Then they got in the car with a bunch of Doritos and Cheetos and stuff. And I drove away. We got one block, here came the popo, and I'm up in there trying to explain how I didn't have nothing to do with it. It wasn't even my idea. I didn't even know these fools was going to do this, but I'm in jail too because I'm an accessory to foolishness. Bad company corrupts good morals. It will cause you to waste and wither and spoil and deprive yourself of influence that God wants to give you. It'll defile your destiny. It'll destroy and disqualify you. Proverbs 13, 20. The one who walks with wise people will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Look, man, I just want to be around smart people. I have an announcement. I'm never the smartest man in the room. But the Bible says a fool looks smart when he don't say nothing. I just go into rooms and don't say nothing. Look look how smart Pastor Steve is. I open my mouth, I wreck it. Look, man, you get with wise people, you start learning how they think. You start learning how they believe. I always ask Pastor Dickow a million questions when I'm with him. Like, tell me how you went from being loaded on your graduation day to building monuments of grace and, and facilities to service eternities. How did you go from a guy who ran around with a, his best friend killed himself, he woke up to Jesus because his best friend committed suicide, and he had all of these issues 
and you became this. Can you give me the roadmap? I always ask him that. Give me the roadmap. Tell me about what were what thoughts were you thinking? What feelings were you feeling? What uh, obstacles did you have to overcome? What hurdles did you have to bust through? And he's always like, um, I said, no, no, no. You got to tell me because sometimes we don't know the thoughts to think. I had some preacher tell me one time, Casey Treaty said, you just got to renew your mind. I go, to what? <laughs> if I knew what to renew my mind to, I would have done it already. Tell me what to, re tell me the scriptures to recite over myself so I don't replicate my regrets. And then he gave me a whole bunch of them. And I still recite them to this day. Hmm, 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 hmm. Number one rule of successful people is they don't hang around negative people. I'm almost done. Y'all all right? You have to amputate the negativity. You got to cut it off. Well, what if it's my family? Cut them off. What if it's my best friend? Cut them off. What if it's my husband? Knock him out. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Be like, amen. I'm going to get my iron skillet and pour that bacon grease out of there and slack him upside the head. Okay, and then number four, and there's a few more. I'll get to them next time, but I want to just hone in on this and then we'll end. <sighs> the number four contributor to double-mindedness is that you don't have any kingdom contributing vision for your life. Now let's talk about this, because this is what I really wanted to talk to you about. No kingdom contributing vision for your life. A better way or another way to say it is that your entire focus is yourself. You one of them contemplators of your navel. You got your nose in your navel. And you're trying to live a life that's going to give you what you're looking for, but your only purpose is you. You, only, you, have to, you run everything through the filter of your personal preference and how this is going to affect you, how you feel, what you want to do, how you want to spend, how you want to give, what you, 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 and you actually think that you're going to get something from the Lord when you run everything through you. Have you ever noticed that everything in God's kingdom is opposite of this kingdom. The, Bi the Bible says you want to be first? Ain't nothing wrong with being first. Be last. Right. What? If I want to be first, I got to be last? Yep. You want to be great? Yeah, I want to be great. Nothing wrong with greatness. He said be a servant. What? I got to go to the bottom of the, I got to turn the pyramid upside down? And be at the bottom and send my influence up and make it wide. And, and, and well, I don't want to do that. Then you ain't never going to be great because you have to be a servant of all to be great. It's opposite. Well, I want to get some money. I got to get, 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 get. G 
Jesus said, give, 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 give. Well, no, I don't want to give. I want to get. I want to take. Remember, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's not what he's talking about. He, he's saying you can do something, but it doesn't have any eternal value. You can get things from a broken system that doesn't follow you to heaven. Like you can get notoriety, popularity, prosperity. You can get your bank account. I ain't mad at bank accounts. I got me one. And it's growing. Praise the Lord. I'm not mad at bank accounts. But I'm not going to use my bank account to only upgrade my profile. Like next time you see me, I'm not going to have liposuction and hair plugs. Come on, somebody. It's not going to happen. I did my daughter's wedding on last Friday. Uh, yeah, don't, don't clap. I'm still contemplating the price of that doggone thing. <laughs> my daughter comes to me, Taylor. She says, Dad, I don't want a wedding. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. She said, I don't want a wedding. You could just meet, give me and Corey, a, a, you know, a few grand toward a down payment on a house or something. I said, amen, got it, easy, easy. And then her mother got involved. Yeah, you laughing. I'm crying. <laughs> Next thing I know, we're at the Dana Point Yacht Club. Yeah. Oh, my God is exactly right. With a hundred of my daughter's closest friends. You ever bought dinner for a hundred people? I have. I'm like, can they buy their own drinks? No. So it was like I went around to 100 people, gave them a $50 bill. This is for your drinks. This is for your drinks. This is for your drinks. Open bar. And then I'm, and I went to the dude at the bar. I said, look, if you run out, don't come to me. Don't be like, we don't have no more, whatever. Like, when it's gone, it's gone. When it's done, it's done. $50 a piece for alcohol? I don't even drink. I did that night. And all I get at the end of the night, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I feel a little bit better sharing that with y'all. But, <laughs> but you know, if you want to get, you got to give. Yeah. Yeah, okay. My personal preference wasn't paying for a wedding. And then I did the ceremony, so I had to bite my tongue to not lash out at them for co it costing so much. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I could have bought a car. Or two. And then I resented my wife for influencing my daughter. To, I need to stop talking about this or I'm going down. So where there is no vision, I'm almost done. Y'all all right? Give me just five more minutes, uh, six more minutes. You okay? Okay. I know you've got to go get your Denny's combo or whatever you got to do. Go get a donut hole or something. But uh, Proverbs 29, 18, you know this, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained. 
But happy are the ones who keep God's law of grace and God's law of love, or you have God's instruction that produces God's direction in your life. Where there's no vision, the people perish. They stopped acting like leaders. Is what that actually means in the Hebrew. They lack the ability to say no. They lose focus is what that actually means. They get double-minded. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, is very, very powerful. And let me just write, uh, read a little commentary of what uh, I, I, I wrote about Colossians 3 and 4. Your union, and hear me, this is a little deep, but I'll be done after this. Your union with Jesus' death. You're going to love this, Andrea. Andrea. Your union with his death broke the association with the broken system. When you stepped into Jesus, your association with the system that breaks people got broken. Amen? I want to now... I want you now to see yourself located in a fortress where your life is hidden with Christ in God. Remember in John 14, 20, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus said, in that day, you will know that I'm in my Father and you're in me and I'm in you. Pastor Dickow told me, how can you be in God and in sin at the same time? So Jesus said, you, in that day, you're going to know that I'm in you and you're in me and we're both in the Father. And in whatever you're in, you can't be in sin and in God at the same time. Stop telling yourself, I'm just a sinner. No, you're the righteousness of God because Jesus cannot occupy a contaminated vessel. In that day, you're going to know it. You might as well know it now. Stop your association with what's broken. Well, I came from a broken home, but now you're part of God's family. Now you're in a house that, that is not broken, but you're in a house that fixes things. Well, I have broken relationships. No more. I have a broken self-esteem. No more. I'm broke. No more. Stop with your association with what's broken. Get a kingdom vision for your doggone self. Let me keep going. Occupy your mind with this new order. You died when Jesus died. Whatever defines you before, defines you no more. Jesus in whom the fullness of God's deity dwells now defines you. The word hidden also means in the Greek secret. So your, the secret of your life is your connection to Jesus in God. If we're raised up with Jesus, then when with Christ, we must lift our thoughts above where we're living. Where Jesus now sits at God's right hand, we must be heavenly minded, not earthly minded. We've undergone a death and our lives are now hidden away with Jesus in the love of God. Come on. Jesus Christ is now your life. 
we no longer have biblical permission to have a self-focus. How can you be focused on Jesus and focused on yourself and expect that you'll get anything that's double-minded? Amen? See, every time Jesus is on exhibit, if he's in us and we're in him and we're both in the Father, every time that the life of Jesus is being exhibited, that is now being repeated in us. So when people look at you, they don't see you, they see Jesus, Patterson. Why? Because you have a Christ focus, not a self focus. So just like when people looked at Jesus and saw the Father, they, when they look at you, they see Jesus. Why? Because when people looked at Jesus, they saw you on a cross. So now when they look at you, they see him because when they looked at him, they saw you. You good? You got to get your focus off of your doggone self because self is not your life. Jesus is now your life. Amen, somebody? Second Corinthians 5.15. I'll take the piano player now. And this church better learn some Marvin Gaye or something up here. But I'm tired of all this dead church music. You got to play what's going on or sexual healing or something. I heard it through the grapevine. Something up in here to get a move of God going. Praise the Lord. This dude is like, Marvin, gay? Who's gay? Who you calling gay? Marvin. Mother, mother, mother. 2 Corinthians 5.15. We who live no longer live for ourselves. It's in the Bible, man. Matthew 6, Jesus said, go ahead, man. Oh, he's trying to find Marvin. I don't think it's on your mix machine. Jesus said this. Whatever's in first position in your life is what's bringing things into your life. If you seek first the kingdom of God and the fact that Jesus made you righteous, everything else is added to your life. The principle is whatever's first is what's adding. So if self is first, all kind of stuff that you bring to your life is being added to your life and keeping Jesus out. But if you put God first in your focus, everything that you want, everything that you dream, Everything that's good for you and nothing that's bad for you is added to you. Why are we as God's people cohabiting with things we hate? Why are you in relationships that you hate? Why are you in a job that you hate? Why are you in a city that you hate? Why you run around with people you hate? Why you got kids that you hate? Come on, somebody. Why are we in a nation that we hate? What, what is this? 
That's what you add to you. If God's your focus, love covers. The Spirit of God empowers. The Spirit of grace erases your mistakes. Why do you want to add things to your life? I want God to add things to my life. Amen? Amen. You add revenge to your life. The Lord said, no, no, no. Vengeance is mine. I don't have to take revenge over nobody. I'll just turn them over to Jesus. How many know God can deal with folk better than you can? Amen? You seek first the kingdom of God and what the blood of Jesus has done for you. And watch what comes into your life. And let's lose this double-mindedness. Amen? Let me pray for you. I'm done. Heavenly Father, just put your hand over your heart if you don't mind. Father, thank you for your word, your promises. And God, we want to expect that we'll receive all of your promises. We don't want to expect that we'll receive nothing. We want to expect that we'll receive everything that pertains to life and godliness. Lord, I pray that you give us a laser focus, not on ourselves, but on you. Not on our sins, but your righteousness. Not on our mistakes, but on your forgiveness. Not on our past, but on our, but on our future. Lord, not on what's on the outside of us, but what's on the inside of us. Lord, I'm asking you to move like only you can in our lives and in the life of this church, in the life of our city, our families, our futures, our finances, our health. We bless you. And we don't just desire, we don't just pray, we don't just believe, but we receive all that you have for our lives. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you learned something today. Amen. So listen, I'm going to ask you today to give naturally because you receive something spiritually. The Apostle Paul said, I don't want you to give out of obligation. I want you to give out of inspiration. Like, I'm done trying to obligate people and their money to the mission of bringing Jesus to people. That's a temporary deal. But if you can get inspired about how God has been good to you, and how great his house has been to you. And that you come to the Lord as a strong tower and you run into his house and you're safe. And you get words that you can live life on. And it's not obligation, it's inspiration. And the Apostle Paul said, if I sow into you spiritual things, is it too much to ask for you to sow into God's house natural things? So looky here. 
Have you ever noticed that when you go to a fast food place, you pay before you eat? You ever notice you go to Taco Hell, I mean Taco Bell? You pull into Taco Bell, you pay, and then you get your food. Why? Because you don't never know what you're going to get. You're like, they got the order wrong. The French fries are squished. Come on, somebody. It's a, you just, you, fast food, lousy food, you pay for before you eat it. That's why I like receiving the offering after you eat. Because when you have fine dining, the bill comes after you're satisfied. So you received spiritual food today. I want you to be inspired to give natural reciprocation because it's biblical. And let's see the vision of this house continue to push darkness back. See God continue to encourage and change lives. Where we learn how to love one another, not hate one another. We learn how to come together, not be torn apart. Come on, man. And, and that's all about God's family and God's house. And let's believe that God will continue to supernaturally sustain what he's doing here through your giving. I wish my good looks and cute personality could pay the bills. I wish I could go to the electric company and go, look at me. They're like, yeah, you got a check? Because you don't look good enough and you ain't cute enough for me to keep the lights on. Come on, somebody. We got to. Amen. And then the Bible says, if you do that, it'll be given to you. If you do that, God will rebuke the devourer. If you do that, God will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that will overflow onto everybody around you. If you do that, if you receive spiritually and get inspired to reciprocate naturally, the windows of heaven open up. I don't know how we can sit and do nothing. Let's have 100% participation today. And let's just see the gospel of his light continue to go and glow. Amen? Lord, bless the givers today. Bless the seed that's being sown and the sowers that are sowing the seed. And Lord, let it meet every need of this house. And let it exceed the need. And Lord, I pray that as they sow into your house, that you will reciprocate in their house. And Father, that the goodness of God will be declared from this place. That the love of God will be demonstrated from this place. And that the promises of God will be decreed from this place. And we'll be careful to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bless you as you give. Thank you very much, Andrea. The pulpit is yours. See you later. Thanks, everybody.